TED Audio Collective. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Hey, and welcome to Conversations with People Who Hate Me. I'm your host, Dylan Marin, and this is the show where I take a negative online comment or interaction and I use it as a starting point for an offline conversation. In some episodes, I speak to people who have written something negative about me personally and other times, like today, I moderate episodes between strangers. There are a lot of ways that we form identities, both online and off. Sometimes it's through activities that we do, the work we take part in, maybe the faith tradition we follow. And in pop culture, many identify around the things and people that we love. Now, of course, we can also forge our identities around what we hate. Hank Green is many things. He is an author, a vlogger, a science nerd, and the co-creator of VidCon. He's a pretty big deal, especially on the internet. A lot of people love Hank Green and all of the cool things that he's created. But of course, we know the unofficial law of the internet, which stipulates that the opposite must be true too. So today, Hank will be speaking with a person named Link who three years ago tweeted, popular opinion, but I hate Hank Green. First, I'll speak to Hank, and then I'll speak to Link, and then I'll connect them to each other. So let's get started. Here is Hank. Hey, Hank, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm good, can you hear me? I can. Hank, this is the fastest a remote interview for this show has ever been set up. It is truly such a pleasure to work with such a pro. Well, mostly I just, it's so much faster when you just do it instead of talking about when you're going to do it. Yeah. I also, in the messages that we were exchanging as we were um, being set up, I said the term ready to rock. And I want you to know, Hank, I've never said that term in my life except for to you just now <laughs> in those messages. So um, thank you for, for pulling that out of me. Yeah, absolutely. Are you code switching on me? You sort I'm, of like see who yeah, I am and I'm you've decided that that's I'm, the way to speak to yes, me. Yes, <laughs> I'm a dad now. So Hank, hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. So you are a man who wears many hats. You are known for many things. Mm -hmm. You make a, a video series, you make many video series, you make a podcast, you do conventions, mm -hmm. you wrote an incredible book that I personally messaged you perhaps too many times of how much I loved it, <laughs> uh, called An Absolutely Remarkable Thing. This is not a promotional podcast, but here I am hey, throwing thanks. it, unsolicited yeah. promotion. Um, you do things that I genuinely love, and I think you're a great person. But this is uh, the public figure we know. Why don't, uh, in your own words, tell us about you and who Hank Green is? Sure. Um, I am a. I live in Montana with my wife and my son and a cat in a house. Mm -hmm. And uh, we live in Missoula, which is a college town. 
um, sort of one of those blue islands in the red state kind of vibe. <laughs> and it's a nice, it's 60,000 people, a nice little town. Um, and I find that I kind of need to live here to keep my head on straight because I can get pretty competitive and yeah. uh, and I sort of caught up in my own quest for self-worth, which is maybe what we're all doing. Um, uh-huh. And so I sort of, like, I need a lot of perspective. So I sort of st- stick around here. I grew up in Orlando, Florida with me and my brother and my parents. Uh, my brother is John Green, who I make content with and who's also an author, more so than I even, one might say. Uh, well, you and, know, you have one uh, published we, book, and that is yeah. more than most of us. So I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, and and I started making internet content a long, long time ago, before YouTube existed. And so I've always sort of had this interest in communicating through the internet and get really introspective sometimes about this thing that we do on the internet, and and sometimes feel like it needs to be pretty critically examined because. It's really gotten very big and impactful very fast, and we we don't know what to do with it or how to deal with it yet. So I've been writing a lot about that, and that's sort of what my novels are about. Yeah, I listen. I am fully with you on on exploring that and questioning that. So as someone who has been on the internet a lot, what is your experience with negativity online directed at you, abbreviated to hate online? What's your experience with that? Um. I have had times when it has been very, very bad to the point where like I wasn't hungry for a few months Mm. and it took up a very big percentage of my brain. One of my stress responses is to sleep. And so I slept more than usual. It was, you know, it was sort of depression vector. Listen. And that wave was sort of a right-wing troll brigade kind of thing that was happening to me. So that was terrible, but useful in one way, which is that it toughened the skin a little bit to the regular hate. And then also watching like more significant attacks happen to mostly my female friends, particularly female friends of color. And it's just like everything that, like even that like very bad time, you know, sort of pales in comparison. So it gives, it's given me some perspective on it. And then I try to remember that like, I also hated people (laughs) when I was sort of trying to work out my identity. And like, if Dave Matthews had heard the stuff that me and my friends said about Dave Matthews <laughs> when I was in high school, like it would have really hurt his feelings, but right. he didn't hear it because we didn't have Twitter because we couldn't add him. And so I try, I try to imagine that like, I am, you know, Dave Matthews to these people. And I'm just like one way that they're expressing their identity. And like, that's kind of what comes along with having notoriety. Yeah. Well, it it certainly seems that you have a thick skin to this stuff, but how does it feel to even be the kind of person who who has a profile that is big enough that someone, a stranger you don't know, just has this opinion and, and expresses this fleeting opinion on an app that you are also on? I mean, I think that what we are asking for in fame is to be dehumanized to that point where you are just a few positive traits. And that allows for a broad number of people to know who you are. Yeah. And so what became clear to me eventually is that I'm asking for that dehumanization so I can't really complain when it goes the wrong way. 
this is also a, a thing. It's like it's a thing with any commodity, any idea in culture, whether it's like a, the iPhone or, or a human being. When there is all this positive feeling around it, eventually there becomes a wave of negative feeling about it. Yeah. Well, everything you said unknowingly, because you actually don't know the comment and you don't know the person, you're of course about to get to know them, Mm -hmm. but they tweeted in May of 2017, just a simple phrase, popular opinion, but I hate Hank Green. That was a long time ago. This person, this person is so much older now. This, they're older, they're wiser. So how, just, just you, you don't know this person at all, but how does that even mm-hmm. make you feel to hear it? Um, so there's, so does it, ha- how many likes and retweets does it have? Because that would deeply impact how I feel about it. I will say zero and zero as of this recording. Yeah, then I don't, then like it's, it, 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 was it a popular opinion in that case? <laughs> <laughs> then that's that's a so truly pa- good question. Partially that, uh, partially that, but but also I think that doesn't trigger any of my uh, insecurities. Yeah, some sometimes they do a great job of t- triggering my insecurities. They find the things that actually bothers me, and I do my oh, best yeah. to not engage because then they know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Hank, the person who wrote that tweet, their name is Link, and you are about to speak to Link. How how do you feel about that? A little sweaty, but uh, <laughs> but I I probably Link feels more nervous than I do. Yeah, well, I you know I, there has never been a guest on this show who hasn't felt nervous, so I would say you are in the exact right headspace to do an episode of this show. All right. Hello. Oh, hey, Link. How are you? Good. Hold on a second. Let me put you on speaker because I can't hear. <laughs> okay, great. I love speaker. Okay. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. How's your day going so far? Um, it's been okay. Yeah? You know, I got paid today, so yippee. Okay, great. <laughs> what do you do for work? I'm like a freelance artist, so it's kind of more like I get my money through PayPal. So it's like when it clears, it's like, oh, yeah. Yes, I completely get it. We are uh, fellow peaceful soldiers in the economy of digital art, so I applaud you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Link, before we kind of get into talking about what we're here to talk about, let's start with my favorite question, totally separate from the tweet. I want to just get to know you and who you are, so in as many details as you're comfortable sharing in a recorded podcast, why don't you tell me about you? Well, I am a game artist. Well, going to college for it. Mm-hmm. I um, oh boy, I have a setup in my room that I usually use for game art, and it is all pink. Like the whole thing is pink. <laughs> it's an eyesore. And That's um, good. Yes. My whole wardrobe is pastel, so there's that too. Good. Pink, purple, light yellow. You're naming my dream closet. To be honest, <laughs> it's true. It is. It is. And so you said you're a game designer? Yes, I am. Actually, it's a Twitch... uh, I'm not a Twitch designer. Excuse me. I'm a game artist. Oh, that's embarrassing. Um, Why why is that embarrassing? I I don't know. It's just like, I'm just thinking of judgment. Judgment from who? Um, Well, that's my whole issue. I've always been afraid of people making fun of me. Yeah. When do you think that started? Uh, Childhood, probably. I was was bullied in high school. In elementary school, middle school... Kindergarten, even. I, I got to be honest, I was too. But um, 
You, you said it started as early as kindergarten? Yep. What happened? I was a weird kid, so I had just moved to the town, and, you know, nobody wanted anything to do with me. Yeah, I, I think also kids, and they're wonderful, but they have this way of sniffing out the people who don't feel like they belong and really excommunicating them, and it's horrible. Um, is that what happened to you? I think that's what happened, you yeah, know, I think of it. Yeah. If you're comfortable talking about it, in what ways were you bullied? It was silly playground talk. Like, people would use my dead name, and I was like, no, no, please no, because I didn't want to be associated with that, so I'd start crying on the playground. Yeah. And then um, middle school, it was more like I was into anime a lot, so Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, everybody's like, oh, that's cringy. Stay away from me. Mm. (laughs) Oh, Link, that's hard. And then high school, it was my mental illness started showing, so I was just, everybody was like, oh, that's that crazy chick again. You know, why were they doing that? Um, well, I was like unmedicated and stuff like that. So I was like wiry and Mm -hmm. out there. Were you put on ADHD meds? Is that what it was? Yeah. And I think it made me more wiry because if you don't mind me telling, I have schizophrenia. So it did not do anything for me. It just made it worse. Oh, wow. You know, I don't have ADD. Yeah. Tell me a, a little about your experience with that. Well, I wasn't even diagnosed uh, fully until recently. I mean, officially. Mm-hmm. And it is pretty hard to live with. Yeah. I mean, it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's like, you know, what is that? Is that me? Or is that actually outside? You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. How does it manifest for you? Um. Well, I don't want to, like, get too, um, you know, oversharing. But um, I mean, only as much as you're comfortable sharing. But if you're comfortable sharing it, I'd love to hear it. Oh, okay. Um, you know, you asked. So, <laughs> a few years ago, I had a problem where I just woke up in the middle of the night and I was seeing things like crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I voluntarily went to the hospital. Um, I don't want to get into details, but mm-hmm. it was I was not well. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of the most disorienting experiences of my entire life. Yeah. And, yeah, that's that was my big awakening. There's something wrong. So I went to the doctor. And and how did that go? Great, actually. They I mean, they put me on medication. Oh, great. They um diagnosed me. A diagnosis is always helpful. Yes, and I really recommend that people go out and see a doctor to get diagnosed if they think there's something wrong because there's so many things you can solve that way. Yeah, and so it sounds like you're under treatment right now, right? I am. I am. And is that helping? Yes. In fact, they're trying to reduce my medication as of lately. Okay. Pretty cool. I also just want to say thanks for sharing. This is, um, you know, I, I, I am of the mindset that the more we openly speak about mental illness and the more we kind of own our stories, the less stigmatized it becomes for people. And for something like schizophrenia, there's, uh, we are only beholden to these like fear narratives about what it is. And, and it's really helpful to hear about it from someone who actually lives with it. And is like, Hey, you know what? I'm in treatment and we're figuring this out. Yeah. Did that affect your behavior online at all? It did. And, uh, it affected it a lot. I mean, I think I, I was probably undiagnosed when I made the tweet. Oh, <laughs> when you made the tweet. Yes. I mean, I'm not blaming on mental illness, but I'm just saying I was not there. I don't think you're blaming it. If anything, the whole point of this show is simply providing context, you know, but you pivoted to it. So let's let's take us there. In May of 2017, you wrote Popular Opinion, 
but I hate Hank Green. So <laughs> we'll get into we'll get into why you wrote that, but I would love to hear what were the circumstances of your life at the time that you wrote this, May of 2017. Honestly, I think what happened was I was on Tumblr and somebody probably made a post mm-hmm. and I like, you know, I got, you know, at that age mm-hmm. and I said, man, I hate that guy. So mm-hmm. I made a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember what it was? No, I do not. Yeah. And that's fine. I think that's the, one of the funny things about this whole experience I'm learning. We post things and don't remember posting them at all or why we posted them or why we felt a certain way. But like, why even write it? Not why did you feel that you hated Hank Green at the time, but why did you even articulate it on Twitter? Well, what I was, my thought process was, was that I just honestly thought that if I said something, then my friends would like me more. (laughs) Yeah. I think you honestly did successfully articulate how we all, like what um, social socializing is. If I said something, my friends would like me more. I think this is what happens in our brain every time we say something, whether we acknowledge it or not. Um, without naming names, of course, but who were you trying to impress with this tweet? Probably one of my Tumblr mutuals that just started Twitter. She was very temperamental at the time. Temperamental meaning her friendship with you was temperamental or she herself was temperamental? She was one of those types of people that would be like, well, if you don't like this or you like this, you are canceled. So, Yeah. And often we want to impress those people in a big way. So you don't get called out yourself. I don't want to put words in your mouth, so please correct me. But it seems like you really didn't care one way or the other about Hank Green. But you tweeted this really to um, maintain a friendship and maintain the adoration of this person who you were trying to impress. Exactly. That's exactly it. And what is your relationship with that person now? Um, We really grew apart. I mean... I just recently remade my Tumblr, and they refollowed me, but I don't think they know who I am anymore. So it's more like, you know. And it seems like you've had significant evolution since that day or that tweet. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think they have, too. Yeah, I'm sure they have. You know, just as as we're talking about you and how there's this uh, beautiful, full story unraveling right before us uh, behind this tweet that you wrote, I'm sure the same is true of her, that she has this uh, complex and wonderful life that is unraveling behind her posts as well. Hmm. I never thought of it that way. Really? No, I really haven't. I don't take much time to think about other people on the internet, and that says that really explains my tweet. <laughs> well, I think that is also true for a lot of people. Not to get you off the hook, but I just want to be fair, Link. I don't think that we're encouraged to think that way at all. Like the structure of social media only encourages us to think about ourselves and our lives, and everyone else doesn't look like they have a full life. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, well, so the next step is that you are going to speak to Hank. How are you feeling about that? You know what? Let's do it, you know? (laughs) Oh, hello. Hello, Link. Stay right there. We'll be right back. 
If you like this podcast and you want to help support it directly, you can check out our merch store. We have brand new shirts that say, Empathy is not endorsement, a mantra I've made for the show, and stickers that say what I say at the end of every episode, remember there's a human on the other side of the screen. Also, there's a shirt that has Rob Wilson's beautiful logo for our show on it. Check it all out at www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com and click on Merch. All right, let's get back to the conversation. Hello. Hey, um, Link, you are on with me, and you are also on with Hank. Oh, hello. Hello, Link. Well, hi, friends. We thank you so much for making the time to do this. Um, we're not going to dive right into what we're here to talk about just yet. So I would love for you to get to know each other. Hank, why don't you kick it off? Tell Link about you, uh, perhaps things that we know, but also things that we don't know. What's your life like? Um, I live in Missoula, Montana. So I All right, uh, you uh, have just heard this stuff, so let's skip a little ahead to when I ask them if they have any questions for each other. Um, I do have one. Um, what exactly do you talk about on your show or whatever? you do um we so like i've got a few different things that we do the nice thing about vlogbrothers is that it has always been a channel about me and my brother and we get to talk about what we're interested in and mm. like what our passions are and you know what we're obsessed with that day even if it's a, a stupid super bowl commercial and then i have a my other big channel that i do is called scishow which is i do with a bunch of people and uh we just talk about science news and science things we just uploaded a video about airplanes and how they work and how we minimize turbulence and all the science and engineering behind airplanes and i we did one recently that i really liked about twins so all the different kinds of twins there's like identical and fraternal but then there are sort of subcategories inside of that so stuff like that link i'm i'm only curious uh just because you asked hank about what he does how, how much did he know about hank in in may of 2017 again i don't remember so <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i will say it's funny that it, you know i don't think you were at all familiar with hank um in may of 2017 which is when you tweeted out popular opinion but i hate hank green and again this is a very loving space so um just share with hank why you wrote that well um, wow, this is extremely embarrassing. But the reason why was because I really wanted to show off. So Yeah, I hear that. You know, I had some friends at the time. Maybe maybe just one. I don't know if one of them was instigating it. I can't remember. But they like would like retweet or reblog post. I can't remember which platform it was on, but I think it was probably Tumblr. And they retweeted or reblogged a post, and it was about probably some call-out of some sort, and it's probably BS. And, um, you know, I went, oh, boy, I don't like that guy. So I went and I hit tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Hank, have, have you ever done that? Have you ever kind of uh, shot off a tweet about someone who you didn't know? Well, I have sort of the, I've definitely shot off my mouth about somebody I didn't know. <laughs> Do that all the time. And, <laughs> and I think absolutely in part to, like, express my identity and have people have a more positive view of me or just sort of like express a, a sentiment that like puts me more in line, like to yeah. sort of show people that like, I am like you and you should like me. And I think that to some extent, I probably do that on the internet publicly only to people who are, you know, who are politicians or uh, are making, in my estimation, the world demonstrably worse for folk. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, as a, a like when I was 
younger, like I did that all the time. And, and like, I think we talked on our pre-call about my feelings about Dave Matthews. And Link, <laughs> just so you know, what you said about me was way, way less bad than what I have said about Dave Matthews. In my life. <laughs> but I know nothing about Dave Matthews. What I knew was that like the kids at school I didn't like liked Dave Matthews. And so I was like gonna hate Dave Matthews. And like, even now I don't like Dave Matthews music, but I don't think it's because I don't like, don't like his music. I think it's because I like put this as part of my identity. And I'm just glad that, I'm glad I didn't write any of it down in some place where Dave could see it because I was doing it in like Kelly's bedroom, not on a social platform that like lets the world continue to see it and also forever. And so like some guy comes by and is like, two years ago, you tweeted this thing. Mm -hmm. You want to be on a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I know. That's why like link total credit to you for even being uh, willing to talk about this. I mean, I also think we're all growing up on this strange platform that encourages us to express these fleeting opinions about people, the kind of fleeting opinions that for the record, humans have always had and have always expressed to each other. But now there's a very weird public slash private forum in which to do it. Um, Linky, you had shared with me um, a little about the stuff that was going on with you around the time of that tweet. If you're comfortable, would you want to share with Hank also what was going on? Because I think that's um, that's you know worth worth providing context. Yeah, um, I was going around with a very undiagnosed um, illness, and I didn't know that at the time that a lot of the times my uh, the shit that came out of my mouth. Oh, excuse me. Can I say that? Oh, yeah, here? please go yeah. go wild. <laughs> well, sorry about that. No, um, it's good. You, you can keep going with that. So it's I permit it. Okay. Um, well, the heckin' stuff that comes out of my mouth sometimes. <laughs> um, there, I censored myself. Yes. Um, it was because of a. Uh, well, I don't want to blame it on it, but it was mainly, you know, me showing some symptoms and I didn't know it. And I really think that mm-hmm. because I was like sooner than later diagnosed with schizophrenia and stuff like that, I realized I wasn't all there when I wrote stuff like that. I was not well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's like super important to recognize too that like often like I will see people – sometimes saying things on the internet. And and oftentimes this is somebody who has a big audience and I can see them sort of digging a hole for themselves. And I'm like, there's more to this than this tweet stream. Like they're going through something right now. Oh yeah. And uh, and I don't think that the internet is a very forgiving place because if if I'm like, hey, I think this person's going through something right now, the general response is either, well, that's not gonna get a lot of traction or no, they're being bad and we, (laughs) Should, yeah. And like we we must police our social spaces harshly because it is this yeah. is a society. Oh, um, completely. Yeah. Yeah. I also just want to be clear, Link. Many people <laughs> tweet those exact things mm-hmm. that do not have an undiagnosed mental illness. So there is sadly nothing abnormal about what you tweeted, nor is it by far the most egregious thing that exists on the internet. I just <laughs> want to be clear about that, you know? Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. You were saying that you were essentially tweeting this to impress a friend, right? Yeah, basically. It was more of a thing like I could get called out if I didn't say anything like that is what I was thinking. Mm. And I, you know, that's really shitty reasoning to talk about somebody. Yeah, it. I, I mean, a little bit. I don't know. I, I find it completely understandable. I don't want to, like, forgive everybody who's a dick on the internet. But, yeah. you know... 
I, I sometimes feel pressure to to say something negative about someone because everyone expects it. And they're like, are you not on the side of right here? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you have to in order to fit in, in order to be a part of the culture that you have found safety in or have found comfort in or have found identity in. And you have to like express both alignment with things and opposition to things. And so when I read that tweet, I don't think that you are talking about Hank Green. I think you are talking about, you know, in part an identity and in part like the brand of Hank Green that had been created. And then sort of, you know, once that is a thing in the public space, people do things with it that aren't in my control. And I had to let go of that. Because we all really, we all do want to control how other people think of us. And letting go of that control is a, I think that for, for everybody, it is, it is necessary at times. And it is a really difficult thing because, I mean, I, I don't know if everybody wants to be liked as much as I do, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I very badly want to be liked um, as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I fully relate to wanting to control what people think of us. Link, do, do you ever feel that you want to control how people think of you? Oh, all the time. Yeah. How so? Um, Like, you know, I mean, I, I go on Tumblr a lot more than I go on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I feel like judged for the moment I go on there. So I on like, you know, I'm constantly, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go on Tumblr and I'll be like, well, okay. So game plan, I'm going to say this. If my shit post comes out bad, um, I'm going to delete it and, and, like mm-hmm. 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean I I really do identify where I will delete things if it comes off wrong or if it starts getting interpreted incorrectly or even if I discover that a bunch of people disagree with me and like part of that I tell myself is if a bunch of people are disagreeing with me and they seem like good people then maybe I am wrong and maybe I shouldn't be like broadcasting this opinion as a good one. Mm-hmm. But uh, probably a bigger piece of it is like, I don't want people to be mad at me and think less of me. And, mm. you know, that that can come off a, a lot when, you know, my audience, of course, is pretty left wing. But if I'm like out there being like, you know, I completely agree that I have a candidate of choice, but I'm going to vote for whoever wins the nomination. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and people are like, this is centrist nonsense. And yeah. I'm like, ah, is yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, you're like, okay. And, uh, yeah, and and like I, you can, people can come pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know we're 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 it's um we're we're very rapidly changing here, uh, in terms of how we socialize with each other on a huge huge scale. Mm-hmm. Another theme that I'm sensing is this public or private dynamic of who are we really talking to? Are we talking to everyone or are we talking to no one? And I ask myself this question a lot. Um, I think a little different now that I have a bigger platform than I had a few years ago. Link, I'd love to hear from you first. When you're tweeting, do you think you are sharing something privately or publicly? Um, well, honestly, I think it's a little bit of both, but uh, it would probably lean more towards privately. But I've realized that I'm on a public platform, that anybody can find it. Like, especially because, uh, funny story, if you'd like to hear it. We'd love to. I I live in a very red state. So I got mad at one of my senators recently. I reached out to him and I said, hey, look, I don't like what you're doing right now. And it's 
pretty bad. And he emailed me back, said some stuff that was not really towards, towards my liking. So I did basically the same thing that I did to Hank. Mm-hmm. I said, man, I can't stand that guy. And then I got a 12-hour ban from Twitter. Oh, you got a 12-hour ban. I see. So, Hank, you're, oh. congratulations, you're in the same category as a Republican senator. That's how I always group you, is <laughs> Hank Green and Republican senators. <laughs> Had to happen eventually. No, 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 no. <laughs> yes. No, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's, it, I was just joking. It, it is, uh, oh, okay. we, we celebrate it. Um, Hank, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I, when, when you're tweeting, do you think it's public or private? It seems like all public, right? Yeah, it's all public. Um, I, I'm definitely making stuff for public consumption and, and expect it to be, and I'm like imagining as I write a tweet, like, how is this going to be it, like imagined in all of the different ways and when it is, and I kind of see it as like, if if it is misunderstood, then that's my fault and I should delete it. Um, which means that like writing a tweet oftentimes is a, half an hour long process oh, for yeah. 240 oh. characters. It doesn't seem <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Link, how long did it take you to write that tweet about Hank? <laughs> I think it probably took me about five seconds. Okay, just great. Just to be completely clear. Um, <laughs> okay, it's going to sound a little off topic, but have you ever played a game like Dragon Age? We have that, uh, that approval system. I, I have only watched it be played. Sometimes it feels like that. Okay, so I'm unaware of this. Can you explain it to me a little? Well, it's a fantasy game. It's sort of like, uh, I don't know, the earlier versions of it are sort of like Dungeons and Dragons. It's an RPG game. The approval system is sort of based on how you progress through the game. So there's this uh, anarchist girl in there, and she will sit there and you will say something, and she will most likely every single time disapprove. <laughs> so mm. I feel like every time I'm talking there, there's Sarah sitting right Right in front of me. <laughs> I disapprove. <laughs> well, okay. That is, I link, that is not a tangent at all and very relevant to everything we're discussing. So, Link, you feel that there's a constant approval system. Oh, yeah, definitely. How do you feel like you're seeking that approval? Well, back then, at least, I was doing it, I was doing it for clout. Sure. Yeah. But nowadays, it's more like I'm just you know, I'm just chugging along. So it's not exactly that anymore. Hank, what's your relationship to clout and creating for clout? It's something that I like, I've tried to stop doing um, as well. I can, I can definitely tell the difference between like when I'm tweeting something that is like majority of the reason is to get likes and retweets. Yeah. And if I'm doing that and it's sort of, like the reason is that it's connecting with negative feelings in people, like particularly like outrage, um, then I I am not doing that as much anymore. I get really mad sometimes at at the world. And I try I try to have that not be the thing that that I'm expressing on the internet because I feel like there's there's an awful lot of that. It's the most shareable of the emotions, it seems yeah. like. Oh, yeah, definitely. But part of the reason why I am able to and less interested in that is that I'm also just less interested in building an audience than I used to be. And like, like relying on that, sitting on that as my only source of validation was I think really unhealthy. And um, so in in part, I, I think I'm able to do it for one reason, because like I've actually come to a place where I'm a little less interested in it. 
And two, I have a lot of it already. And I've had it for long enough that I can see that getting more doesn't actually make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And like, I have direct experience of that. And I, I don't know how else to, to believe it unless you have direct experience of it. Because it's very hard to believe. It was very hard for me to believe before I could see it in my own life. Yeah. Link, do you have any closing thoughts that you wanted to express to Hank? Well, I'm sorry. Uh, you are you are forgiven, and it legit is no big deal. Of the things that I get, um, I I actually really understand this, and I think that I I I think I've done it before. My guess is that we've all done it before. Yeah, especially because it was three years ago, and uh, and I think that you know, it's really good to remember that we're all going through stuff, and I think that that's something that people who are catching hate might do well to remember sometimes. Yeah. I I agree. Well, I think I, this show kind of opened up my eyes a little bit. Oh, wow. Well, I thank you both so much for doing this. Hank, thank you for being down. And, and Link, thank you for uh, being brave and being willing to, you know, own up to it and, and talk about this stuff. Oh, no problem. Yeah, it's a great chat. Great chat. I, and we will all uh, see each other on the internet. Sounds good? All right. Yep, sounds great. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to be a guest on this show or have an idea for an episode, please visit www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com for more information. Conversations with People Who Hate Me is a production of Night Vale Presents. Christy Gressman is the executive producer. Vincent Cascione is the sound engineer and mixer. Emily Newman and Mark Stoll are the associate producers. The theme song is These Dark Times by Caged Animals. The logo was designed by Philip Blackowl with a photo by Mindy Tucker. And this podcast was created, produced, and hosted by me, Dylan Marin. Special thanks to Adam Cecil and our publicist, Megan Larson. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. But until then, remember, there's a human on the other side of the screen. Dark times. Make it through these dark times.